This is Box to Row with the Radio Boss, the Howard University Radio Network edition. The day of reckoning is coming. Box to Row with the Radio Boss, Donald Ware, brings you conversations with well-known sports, well-known figures. sports figures. The voice of Kevin Durant. You know, it's a joy to go to work and know that they're going to cheer for you as hard as they can, no matter who you're playing. Well-known actors. Chadwick Boseman. I had some great teachers. Felicia Rashad was one of my teachers. Musical artists. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Thank you for having me, play in a real way. I mean, I'm so and takes from Donald on some of the hottest topics of the day. Real, relevant, relevant, radio. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. Hey, everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson. The one and only Jerry Rice. What is going on? She's Simone Biles. It was great. We hope that other young girls would feel that being strong is so beautiful. The voice of Steph Curry. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college in Davidson. It's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun, you know, living my dream and riding the ride. It's time to to talk the talk with those who walk the walk on Box to Row with the Radio Boss. This is Radio Boss. You've got it locked to Radio Boss. HR Voices, Sirius XM, Channel 141, as well as radio stations across the country the moment or the time i'm going to be honest with you the time that i've been waiting for and i've been waiting for the hbcu football season to begin and the hbcu football season has begun as a matter of fact in full swing uh, as of last weekend and don't forget for your hbcu football fix you can download or listen to the hbcu football daily podcast wherever you may get your podcast ready for the HBCU season, but really ready for the National Football League season, which kicked off on Thursday. And as we've done for the last several years here on Radio Boss, I'm going to give you my thoughts in terms of the schedule. I'm going to give you predictions, and we'll see. Like, I think I I did pretty well last year. As a matter of fact, uh, I, I didn't total the my record, but I had a, a, I mean, I remember coming on pretty much each week and rarely had a, a losing a record. And that's not really bragging. I mean, number one, it's what it was, but uh, number two, I mean, I, I'm telling you huge, huge NFL fan. And speaking of the national football league joining us today here on the program, you know, he was just elevated And he won't tell you this, but he was, uh, this gentleman, as a matter of fact, was just elevated. You know, he got a, he got a title change and I'm going to get the title change for you because he's, he's the type that doesn't really want to talk about it. Let me, because what I want to do is I want to make sure I have the title right. But anyway, Steve Weich of NFL Network is going to join us on the program and let me get it here. I, I want to make sure that I have it right in terms of what his new title is. I have it right here on his Twitter page, which you can find him on Twitter at Weich89. Steve Weich is now the chief national reporter for the NFL Network. And when I email, you know, I text him about it, he didn't really want to talk about it. He's not in the titles. I'm like, yeah, man, but this is a big deal because I remember when you used to come on this program, you were writing for NFL.com, not even doing appearances on NFL Network. Now you're the man on NFL Network. So Steve Weich of NFL 
a network. It's a Howard grad. As a matter of fact, going to join us on the program. We're going to talk some National Football League. Also, joining us today on the program, you had a couple of uh, upsets. As a matter of fact, a few upsets as it relates to college football. And one of the upsets uh, that happened in college football, you had ODU defeating Virginia Tech. Ricky Ronnie is the head football coach at ODU. Ricky Ronnie, the head football coach at ODU, going to join us today here on the program. I really want to see how uh, that went down. That's a big-time win for the ODU program. So let's go ahead. Let's talk some National Football League. Let me give you my thoughts on the Week 1 schedule. The Eagles are going to be at the Lions, and while I think the Lions are going to be improved this year, I like the Eagles in this football game. You know we talked with Javon Hargrave last year. That defensive front is going to be absolutely tremendous. That defense for the Eagles is going to be really, really good. You add A.J. Brown to Devontae Smith. Solid running game. Solid offensive line. And then you look at the quarterback, Jalen Hurts. I think he's going to have a solid season this year. The Lions are going to be better, but not uh, in this football game. I've got the Eagles over the Lions in Detroit. The Bears and the 49ers. So this is a, you know, this is an interesting football game, right? Because now you're talking about Trey Lance and Trey Lance taking over the reins as the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, I think in part you got Jimmy Garoppolo there just in case something doesn't happen, right? But, you know, Justin Fields, I think is going to have a good season this year. We'll see how the offensive line holds up. He doesn't have a whole lot of weapons. But I'm going to tell you what, he looked pretty solid in the preseason. But listen, I like the 49ers overall. I think if you're going with Trey Lance, you're good. You look at all the weapons. If not, Jimmy Garoppolo knows the system can come in and help you. And that 49ers defense is good. I like the 49ers over the Bears in Chicago. The Steelers and the Bengals. Mitchell Trubisky's been named the starting quarterback. I, you know, Mike Tomlin, he's, ne he's never had a losing season. I don't see it happening this year. But when I look at the Bengals, this is the thing with me. Like, I look at the Bengals. Bengals made that run. But when we talk about best teams in the National Football League, a lot of times the Cincinnati Bengals get left out of the conversation. We know what the Bengals have uh, from a weapon standpoint in terms of receivers. We know who the quarterback is, but this is the thing. We don't talk enough about the running game and Joe Mixon, who's good, and that defense is very, very solid. It's an AFC North game, and I like the Bengals over the Steelers in Cincinnati. The Dolphins and the Patriots, this is an AFC um, East matchup. Uh, you know, Tua Tunga by Lois got the cheetah now. They're Tyreek Hill. He's got some weapons. Right, the Patriots, you know, will Mac Jones take that next progression? Who, in fact, is the play caller for the Patriots? That's been a topic uh, of conversation. I'm going to tell you what. I like the Dolphins. I think Tunga Bailoa is going to have a solid season this year. And I like, I'm going to go with the Dolphins over the Patriots in Miami. The Panthers and the Browns, boy, you talk about a revenge game for one Baker Mayfield. Listen, the Panthers are going to be good. I think the Panthers are going to challenge for that NFC South crown. Good receivers. Christian McCaffrey at your running back. 
uh, position. Hopefully he can stay healthy. We'll see how that offensive line holds up. I think the defense is better. I look at the Browns. You know, I I I like Brissett, right? I like him. He's got some weapons. He's got a really good running game. But I think Baker's going to shine in this football game. He's got a chip on his shoulder. And I like the Panthers over the Browns in Charlotte. Texans and the Colts. I mean, you know, you look at the Texans, you know, a tough deal for them. Um, you know, I, I I think Matt Ryan with the Colts is a good move. I, You know, if you heard me talk on this program last year, I thought, you know, I thought it was over for Matt Ryan. Uh, but he really had a solid season with Atlanta. You plug him in now instead of Carson Wentz. You know, you've upgraded a couple of more in terms of weapons. The running game, absolutely tremendous, no doubt about that. Um, and I look at that defense led by Darius Leonard. It's going to be very good. I like the Colts over the Texans in Houston. The Saints and the Falcons. Boy, I, you know, I, we'll see what the Falcons look like. But the Saints, good football team. I, I mean, I think Dennis Allen's going to come in. That defense is already really, really good. Jameis Winston's got weapons around him. Thomas is back. Got a good running game in Kamara. Um, you know, left tackle now, right? That That's a bit of an issue. Uh, now, I think for, ultimately for uh, the Saints with our man Teron Armstead now in Miami. Still, I don't think the Falcons are very good. I like the Saints over the Falcons in the ATL. The Ravens and the Jets. I think the, I think, I think Lamar Jackson has a bit of a chip on his shoulder, right? Everybody's talking about other quarterbacks, and they're dissing Lamar Jackson. He doesn't have a lot of weapons around him per se. But what I would tell you is, man, this guy can play. He's really, really good. He, he, you know, he, you can take it to that next level. I think if he has some weapons, the Ravens defense is going to be solid. The Jets, I mean, maybe improve this year, but not, you know, maybe, right? But not enough to beat the Ravens. I like the Ravens over the Jets in Jersey. The Jaguars and the Commanders. The Jaguars, you know, I look at Trevor Lawrence. You look at Doug Peterson now there. You know, listen, I think that the Jaguars are going to be a sneaky team uh, this year, right? Um, I look at the Commanders. Um, you, you look at Carson Wentz now. I think Carson Wentz is a solid quarterback. I don't think enough people are talking about Wentz, right? He had a solid season in Indianapolis last year. 27 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, something like that. Um, he had a couple of bad games down the stretch, no doubt. But I don't think two games defines a season. Thought he was solid. And, uh, you know, the, the, the question mark is going to be that Washington Commanders defense. But I definitely like the Commanders over the Jaguars in the DMV. The Packers and the Vikings should be interesting. I'm not giving the Packers the NFC North. I like the Vikings to challenge. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins, I mean, it, it just depends. It all depends on Kirk Cousins uh, this year. I think the Vikings are going to be better. However, I'm not going against Aaron Rodgers. That defense for the Packers is going to be good. And I like the Packers over the Vikings in Minnesota. The Titans and the Giants. Uh, you know, maybe the Giants are improved. You know, I like Daniel Jones. You know, Saquon Barkley, if he's healthy, should be good. Uh, but, I, but I don't know much more, right? Like the Titans, um, you know, we'll see with Tannehill 
He had a bad playoff game, but I think the Titans as a roster is pretty solid. I'm going to go with the Titans over the Giants in Nashville. The Chargers and the Raiders. So this is a good game to start off. We've been talking about that AFC West all season long. Um, everybody's talking about the Chargers and how great the Chargers are. And they, I think they will be better this year. The Raiders, you know, you add Devontae Adams to that mix. That's a potent Raiders team. I like the Raiders this year. But I'm going to go with the Chargers. I'm going to go with the, the, the Chargers over the Raiders in L.A. And to me, this game, to me, will define the Chargers season. The Chiefs and the Cardinals, interesting matchup. Um, I, I, you know, the Chiefs, yeah, everybody's talking about Tyreek Hill's not there with the Chiefs, so on and so forth. But to me, I, again, I've, I've laid out why I thought it was okay and the Chiefs would be fine, and I think they will be. I mean, I, the Cardinals are, are good, but not better than the Chiefs. I'm going to go with the Chiefs over the Cardinals in Arizona. The Buccaneers and the Cowboys. That Boy, that's going to be a good football game. Tom Brady, Dak Prescott. Uh, I like I'm running out of time. I'm going to go with the Buccaneers over the Cowboys. The Monday night football game, the Broncos and the Seahawks. Wow. <laughs> Russell Wilson returns to Seattle and returns with a victory for the Broncos over the Seahawks. Steve White of NFL Network is up next. Hit me! The 2022 State Fair Classic. Grambling State versus Prairie View A&M. Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl. One ticket gets you into the fair and the big game. Also, Grammy Award winning Ashanti live. Then the Classic kicks off at a new time, 6 p.m. New coaches, old rivalry, and an iconic halftime battle of events. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com. Visit StateFairClassicFootball.com. Sponsored in part by City of Dallas. Dallas Sports Commission. McDonald's. Black and Positively Golden. Chevy. Cricket Wireless. Methodist Hospital. The old renaissance is the new renaissance, standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company, uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Available in fresh markets in Northern Virginia, Richmond, and Lynchburg. At Barrel and Bushel in Tyson's Corner Center. And in Total Wines throughout Virginia. Now, back to Radio Boss with Donald Ware on Sirius XM. As we continue here on the program, we're joined by a gentleman who knows more about the National Football League than most people. As a matter of fact, he's a Howard grad. You can see him on NFL Network. I mean, he does so many great things. Uh, he's no stranger to the program. He is Steve White. He joins us here on Box to Row and Radio Boss. What's going on, Steve? Donald, man, so be on the show, so good hearing your voice. It's about that time, my friend. It is, man. It, it, we're here. We, we've already, you know, we've already uh, had a game under our belt. But you know, I, I want to start here. You know, there's been, you know, we, we, we've been talking a lot about Lamar Jackson, and I mean, at the end of the day, a lot has been 
a lot of other quarterbacks have been talked about. And you hear, you know, there's talk of defensive coordinators talking not so great about Lamar Jackson. Your thoughts, do you feel like he has something to prove this year? Lamar has nothing to prove, but you know what? He's the type of guy who's going to play like he does, right? What, what is, you know, if, if he has anything to prove, it's just to silence the people who say he's not a pocket passer, right? But why would you want him to be a pocket passer when he gives you such an advantage, especially the way the game is played today? When you talk to coaches, they're like, it's always a matter of math. And typically, defenses don't have to account for the quarterback being a threat with his feet. So they've got him kind of in a one-dimensional pocket, right? When you have got a running quarterback that balances the scales math-wise, and if you have a creative enough offensive coordinator, they can tilt the scales in your favor because you have a mobile quarterback. So we can sit and talk about, all oh, the Ravens don't have wide receivers, blah, blah, blah. When you have a threat like him who makes you play certain personnel on defense, that you can exploit with Mark Andrews, that you can exploit with Rashad Bateman and guys like that. He is, I, I think he is going to be so locked in because Donald, all I see is what do you hear? Oh, Josh Allen, oh, Patrick Mahomes, oh, Justin Herbert, you know, oh, Joey Burrow, right? All of these other things. You are not hearing talk about Lamar Jackson. And I think he's going to be like, okay, all right, let's holler at me at the end of the season. Yeah, he's, he, you know he's going to be. I mean, he's got an NFL MVP. I mean, you know he's going to be locked in. If it were not for him being injured last year, the Ravens more than likely would have made the playoffs, and who knows what would have ultimately happened. You know what, Steve? One thing I want to I want to talk with you about that I know you have insight on, and it was something you know that happened earlier this year, and I said, oh, we're going to try to keep it in the light, keep it in the light, and of course, ultimately did not. But that's the Brian Flores lawsuit. Where sort of are we with that? Well, I mean, look, it seems like it's being negotiated. You know, when you have when you have suits like this and you're filing it in the NFL, the NFL has got certain protections, right, where, where a lot of the information does not become public. But you've seen, I believe there was some type of ruling, settlement, acknowledgement, if you want, that, okay, you know, look, Brian Flores, or I'm sorry, Stephen Ross, of the Dolphins, he was kind of joking when he was when he was saying the tank games. You know, he, he you know he said it, but you know it wasn't taken seriously. But our owners can't go go ahead saying these types of things. You know, when it, but they remember the Dolphins, the owner Stephen Ross was disciplined by the league for the flirtation. You know, the tampering with Tom Brady, as was a, a minority business partner. They were fined heavily. They were banned from day to day operations with their teams, but, you know, Flores still does have a civil court that other, uh, some other black coaches, I believe uh, Steve Wilkes, uh, I believe Ray Horton and some other black coaches have jumped on kind of making a broader accusation of the bias against black coaches, you know, when it comes to hiring practices, promotions, things like that. So that's still, you know, that's still kind of in the works, but in terms of the league punishment, on the people who Brian Flores is going against, you know, that that's kind of been handled. But when all, you know, when all the smoke cleared, it's a it, Brian Flores was 100% honest about his accusations. Yep. Steve White of NFL Network joins us here 
on the program as we talk some National Football League. Do you feel as though the Rams can repeat as Super Bowl champs? And do you have a, a t- who do you think will win the Super Bowl? Well, I mean, to answer your first question, I'm going to answer my second question. I'm going to say, yes, the Rams can repeat. And, you know, and here, here's why, right? So a lot of teams, when they win a Super Bowl, they're like, we got to keep, you know, we got to run it back. We got to keep the band together. I was in the Rams locker room Tuesday, and they have changed so many people on this team. There is so much new blood. It's almost like a new team. The nucleus, of course, still, you know, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, you know, some of those guys. But you add an Allen Robinson, you add a Bobby Wagner, you add some young people uh, to this defense, right? It, you know, Andrew Whitworth is gone. Joe Nopu moves out to left tackle now. You've got so many new faces that I think the competitive edge is different. Like when the Buccaneers tried to run it back with the same team. Remember, I think they had all 22 starters come back. So I think they can run it back. The schedule's tough, but it's always tough for them, right? The NFC West prior to this year was always the toughest division in football. Um, They have a head coach and a coaching staff that is very non-complacent. You know, we can hear about, you know, coaches like, oh, we can't do what we did last year. Oh, they will not do. They, They don't do what they've done before. Some of their schematic principles are the same, but other things are vastly different. So I think they can run it back. I think the NFC, because of some of the talent drain going to the AFC, is not as tough. Um, so they very much can run it back. In fact, I think, they, I think they're going to be back. I think the Rams will be back in the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. You know what's interesting? Jimmy G re-signs with the 49ers. And, I mean, I, I always thought – to me, even from the very beginning, uh, you know, you go back to the early part of the season. To me, it just made sense to, for Jimmy G to stay in San Francisco. I realize it would have depended upon maybe what San Francisco ultimately could have got. Was this more of an insurance policy in case Trey Lance isn't what the 49ers think, think he will be? No, I mean, th- this is what it, it's going to kind of look like. But had Jimmy Garoppolo not had shoulder surgery, he'd be playing for the Panthers or somebody else right now. I mean, that was, you know, all along, hey, Jimmy, we're going to trade you. Great. As soon as you get an opportunity, trade me. Oh, I got this shoulder issue that now I've got to get cut. Oh, I can't throw until training camp. So now teams are like, well, we can't. This is a guy who already has durability issues, and now he's coming off of surgery to his throwing shoulder? Like, let's let's slow play this. But – you know, and plus, you know, he was going to cost the team $24 million if they traded for him. Now he worked his contract as to where a team would only have to pay $6.5 million. That's the part we keep failing to acknowledge, is that Jimmy G restructured his contract not to make it more palatable for him to stay with the 49ers, but more palatable for him to be traded. Because there's going to be a starting quarterback that's going to get hurt. Some team's going to need a starting quarterback, and Jimmy G's got a very, very tradable contract now. And I think it's also just so, I I don't think ironic is the right word, um, but the organization that they're doing this with, the team that moved off of Joe Montana to put Steve Young in, the team that moved off of Alex Smith to put Con Kaepernick in, and now the team that's moving off of Jimmy G to put Trey Lance in. You know, they've had success the two prior times. Let's see if they can go three for three because 
physically, Trey Lance does all kinds of things Jimmy G can't do. He can run. He's got a bigger arm. He's accurate as hell down the field. So now it's just a matter of experience. But is it going to take him a long time to get that NFL experience with a Super Bowl-ready roster? And if it does, then and only then do they maybe say, maybe we should go back to Jimmy, who's very well-liked in that locker Yeah. Steve White of NFL Network, talking some National Football League, joins us here on the program. It's interesting. You know, I I listen to a lot of sports talk radio, and I hear a lot of people saying how great the Chargers roster is, how great it's going to be. Justin Herbert is going to be great. But I look at the Chargers the last two years with all of the promise. It's not made the playoffs yet. How, How good can the Chargers be this year in that AFC West, which is brutal? Okay, you can rewind that question and you can, in everything you just said, and play it back for the last 25 years. The Chargers have almost always entered the season with one of the best rosters in the NFL, from Phillip Rivers to Ladanian Tomlinson to when they had Vincent Jackson at wide receiver, you know, Antonio Gates at tight end. I mean, they have always had a loaded roster and have not been able to get over the hump. This roster is stacked, right? They have basically said, we've got Justin Herbert on a rookie contract. Let's go ahead and shoot our shot. And, I mean, from the secondary to linebackers to the defensive front with them getting Khalil Mack and trading in, and, and, and signing Sebastian Joseph Day at defensive tackle and Austin Johnson at defensive tackle, adding Kyle Van Oy to that group of pass rushers, and then drafting just two studs the past two years on the offensive line you know, drafting a really good running back and Isaiah Spiller. We know what you're going to get out of their wide receivers. And then Justin Herbert is just that guy, right? So they've got everything on paper that it takes. But can they get out of their own way? Like, can they finally start closing games? That is something they have not done for, like, decades, from missing kicks to whatever. They have not been able to win the close games. And that is the only hurdle that could stop them from making a deep playoff run run because there is not a more talented roster on paper in the NFL, but you got to play the games on turf or grass. And that's where the chargers have historically had issues. Now, can they break that trend? If they do, they could very well be playing for a Super Bowl, and LA could have back-to-back Super Bowl champions with two different teams. Steve White of NFL network joins us here on the program. You can follow him on Twitter at white. 89. We're going to step aside, take a break, come back. We're going to look at some of the, some specific teams in some of the markets that Box to Row airs on. You've got it locked to Box to Row. We're back here on the programs talking with Steve White of NFL Network, talking some National Football League. The uh, season opened on Thursday. The bulk of the games are going to take place on Sunday. Steve, let's start with the Washington Commanders, those that listen to us on WHUR's HD3 channel in Washington. You had a new quarterback in uh, in Carson Wentz, um, you know, re-signed Terry McLaurin. The defense is supposed to be better. Your thoughts, where where do you and, – and, and a lot of people are talking about, when you talk about the NFC East, you're talking about the Cowboys – the Eagles, nobody's really talking about the Commanders. Can the Commanders challenge for the NFC East? Yeah, I mean, they can. You, you look, this is another team on paper. That roster is really solid. I mean, defensive front, they've had players, right? They, 
They haven't had issues there. They've had, you know, just health issues, right? And linebacker, they've got players. They've got players in the secondary. The offensive line is, is decent, right? Most offensive lines coming into the season have question marks. Theirs is decent. Um, you know, it, it's a shame what happened to Robinson getting shot in that robbery situation because I think he's going to be a heck of a tailback, but he could be back in a couple weeks. So the question mark is Carson Wentz because Terry McLaurin's a stud. Carson Wentz is the question mark, not a talent issue. It is a matter of can he get guys to follow him. That has not been the case in Philadelphia or in Indianapolis. This is his, his final straw. Coaches are always hyping him up. He's doing everything that we asked him to do, blah, blah, blah. Same things that being said in Washington were the same things said in the Colts early on, same things said by the Eagles for a couple of years. You know, look, when the, going, when the game gets tough, are guys going to have the faith in him? And he's got to establish that right away. But they have got talent. They've got enough talent to win the division. It's just a matter of can they, can they win games at the right time in games and in the season, and can they have enough faith in their quarterback to believe he can take them into the playoffs and to the next level. Let's take a look at the Jacksonville Jaguars for our listeners in Jacksonville who listen to us on XL 1010 and 92.5. You look at Doug Peterson coming in as the head coach, Trevor Lawrence, not such a great rookie campaign, although there were various factors uh, to that. I mean, it doesn't seem like they could be any worse than they were last year, but how much of a step do you think they can take in 2022? I, I, you know, people I talk to think they can take a sizable step. You know, I, I, I work in the Falcons preseason, you know, booth for their games, and I was at a couple joint practices. And, you know, Arthur Smith and people with the Falcons coaching staff were raving about Trevor Lawrence. Like, man, you know, we looked at him to possibly draft him last year, even though we weren't going to get him. And, you know, we saw him last season. We were like, whoo, you know, maybe we escaped not drafting him. And then when they practiced against him this year and Doug Peterson and what they're doing with Mike McCoy as a quarterback coach, they're like, oh, man. He's a different guy. Like, he's special. He can run it. His ball placement, his deciphering of defenses, his recognition is, is where it needs to be. So now they've got some players. They've got a decent offensive line. You've know, got Marvin Jones and Christian Kirk and some guys at wide receiver. Jacksonville is going to be better than what a lot of people think. They're not going to be picking in the top five next year unless they have some type of catastrophic injury. Looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, our listeners in Tampa on WURK. Todd Bowles, now the head coach. This is a Buccaneers team only two years removed from winning the Super Bowl. Um, your thoughts? That NFC, that NFC South is going to be something else with the Saints. The Panthers, you know, could also challenge. But but your thoughts? I mean, I mean, any. I mean, I guess the Buccaneers can get back to the Super Bowl, right? But how how far away do you? Do you think they are? Do they have a legitimate shot of getting back to the Super Bowl? Yeah, look, I, you know, you can't make judgments on what the Buccaneers are going to be over the first month of the season. Clearly, the injuries on the offensive line are a concern, right? I'm not worried about Tom Brady and where his head is because he's such a savage that when the games start, he's going to be fine and dandy, right? They've got the skilled position players. It's just a matter of protection, you know, and they don't have Gronk anymore. So, They've got to figure some things out. Their defense is good enough to hold things together, though. Right, that defensive front, they don't have JVP anymore, but they've got Tryon. He's an up-and-coming player, Shaq Barrett. They've got guys on the interior. They added Akeem Hicks from Chicago. He's a monster. Linebackers are next-level good. Secondary, they've got some pieces that are going to kind of slowly have to work through things. So this is the type of team that should make a deep playoff run. 
Talking some National Football League with Steve Weiss of NFL Network here on the program. Let's take a look at the Kansas City Chiefs, those that listen to us in KC, on KCPZ. So a lot was made about Tyreek Hill signing with, uh, with well, being now with Miami, um, I should say. But, but, you know, the way that I sort of looked at this thing, you add a couple of other receivers. I mean, you, you, you know, the money was going to be a lot to kind of re-sign him. I think where more of the issue may be with Kansas City is defensively. I don't – I mean, you, you lose something without Tyreek, in my opinion, no doubt. But I don't, I don't know if it's as much as people think it is. Your thoughts there, again, playing in a very tough AFC West. I'm so glad you mentioned defense because look at the turnover, right? This is something they kind of had to do. You heard me talk earlier about the Rams churning their roster. That's what the Chiefs did this year. They realized, hey, okay, we've got some things coming unglued. Yeah, we you know we lose Ty Matthew, but we add Justin Reed. We draft Joshua Williams out of Fayetteville State. Um, you know, we we draft McDuffie out of Washington. We draft George Karlaftis. You know, they've got some speed on this defense, man. They've got some long guys in the secondary now. Carl Laftis had a great preseason on the edge. You know, just to add, they have Carlos Dunlap, the veteran on the edge. So much talent. Like this linebacker, Willie Gay, they've been waiting for him to really emerge. Maybe this is the year he does. But I think this defense, by the end of the year, is going to be one of the better defenses in the AFC. And for all the firepower that this that, that division at AFC West has, Kansas City's defense – you know, you look at the talent that the Chargers and the Broncos have on defense. The Raiders, you know, they, they definitely are the, have the biggest holes on their defense. But I think Kansas City's defense is going to be a, a really feisty bunch. Um, and, you know, offensively, you got number 15, you're good, right? You lose Tyreek Hill. Andy Reid is the master of reinventing offenses. He's done it for years. It may take a minute to find out what their identity is, but I think the Chiefs, are, are going to be just so different looking in so many ways, so fun to watch in so many ways. And they're going to be, to me, that they are the team to beat in the AFC West and, in fact, the AFC. The Carolina Panthers, too many radio stations to name throughout the Carolinas. We'll call out ESPN Orangeburg. The Panthers add Baker Mayfield. you got some talent at wide receiver uh, you know, the defense should be pretty straight. I mean, I think this is a team that can challenge for that NFC South crown. What say you? Look, there's always, what, four or five teams that didn't make the playoffs the year before that, that make it. To me, Carolina is one of those teams that could sneak in there. All depends on the durability of Christian McCaffrey, which has been a significant issue because he changes things. I think Baker, his competitive nature, the fact that, that he, one, wants to earn a big contract, and two, show, show the Browns that they were wrong for, for addition of the way they did. Um, but, you know, we also know the head coach, Matt Rule, there's some people who are saying his seat's quite warm. I think the fact that they've organized a roster that's very competitive, added Baker Mayfield, um, if they can be consistent early, win some close games, right? That's, the, that's been an issue. Win some close games. This is the type of team that can get that early confidence or they can, be, they can get that boulder rolling downhill. As long as Christian McCaffrey stays healthy, they are going to be a threat. He gets injured, it changes. It just changes who they are, and we've seen it the past couple of years. A couple of more teams to look at. We're joined, of course, his time. He's, he's gracious enough to give us his time. Steve Weich 
of NFL Network. Let's look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, those that listen to us in Pittsburgh on WGBN. So Mitchell Trubisky's been named the starting quarterback. Like, I, I, I like Mitch Trubisky. Like, I don't know if he got a fair shake in Chicago. Two playoff uh, appearances. He was able to, you know, kind of sit behind Josh Allen a little bit on last year. Uh, you know, Najee Harris is 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 a stud, going to be a stud running back in the National Football League. Your thoughts? I mean, the Steelers have their work cut out for them in that AFC North, North, which is also brutal. Yeah, but, you know, there's just something about the Steelers where you always say they're going to be in it, right? Like, they're not going to be a bad team. And, look, Trubisky, I think you made a good point. Him sitting behind Josh Allen and being in a system where there was just so many things – to for a quarterback to try to you know realize pre-snap to watch it and see it I think that's going to help him I you know he, he's a mobile quarterback and I think sometimes in Chicago he stops trusting you know his offensive line and whatever it would take off too quickly and those are some things that they said about Josh Allen but then watching Josh last year kind of use his mobility sometimes to run it but oftentimes to create you know some of the scramble rules and things like that where he could hit hit receivers on the move, they've broken kind of their routes. I think that's going to help him. I mean, the one thing about the Steelers that's a concern is the offensive line. Again, that's two-thirds of the NFL entering the season. The Steelers' identity is running the football, and they're going to have to run the football. You mentioned Najee Harris. They don't run the football. You know, they've got issues because teams are going to be stacking the box to say Mitch Trubisky beat us. I wouldn't worry about the wide receivers because the Steelers do arguably the best job in the NFL of developing wide receivers and finding talent and striking gold. So I think that's fine. Their defense is going to have to stay healthy, hold things together early. But Mitch Trubisky looked fine to me in preseason. And, you know, look, I'm not saying he's going to be the next Big Ben, but I think he's somebody who's going to keep them competitive. And in the, in the, AFC, in the AFC North, that's all you can ask for now. I mean, when they play the Bengals, who can put points up, they're going to have to score some points. But, you know, they've, they've got to get that offensive line together so they can do it in two different ways and not just rely on Mitchell Trubisky. Last team, Tennessee Titans, for those in Nashville that listen to us on Radio Free Nashville. Still got Derrick Henry there, no A.J. Brown. You know, Ryan Tannehill had a, a really good regular season, not so much in the playoffs, there may have been some talk about the draft pick, uh, Malik Willis, possibly. Do, do, do you think we'll at some point see Willis play? Your thoughts on the Titans, uh, who, I mean, you look at the AFC South, I mean, they have an opportunity to win it. Yeah, I mean, they should be right there with the Colts. Um, they lost a lot, you know, and the injury, I'm blanking on the name of the pass rusher. I mean, that hurts them. That, that, that hurts them. He's such a good player. Um, so they're going to have to kind of rally – uh, defensively, um, but they lost they lost some players on that defense. Um, losing AJ Brown, you know, really hurts them. I know Traylon Burks is a rookie who's kind of working his way through conditioning and, and health issues, um, and they're pushing him, which they need to do because he's got to make plays for them to be good. You know, again, teams are going to do what they do when they play the Titans. Stack up to try to stop Derrick Henry and not having an A.J. Brown there, you know, they may commit another defender into that box. You know, it tends not to work because King Henry is that dude. Um, you know, but the Titans have some things to work on. I think, you know, Mike Vrabel will say, you know, we, we're going to challenge ourselves, not so much the opponent. And I think, the, you know, the players, the way the culture he's developed, they're going to take on that challenge. They're going to be right there to compete for the AFC South with the Colts. 
you know, but I, but the other, you know, that division is going to be tougher than what people think because I think Houston and Jacksonville are going to be a, a lot tougher out than what they have been the past couple of years. But I would I would expect Tennessee, and again with Vrabel and what his staff and they've developed culture wise there, they're they're going to be right there at the end. Yeah, no doubt about it. Follow him on Twitter at white eighty nine. And where can we where can we see you on the NFL? When and where can when? Excuse me. When can we see you on the NFL Network? Yeah, I'm typically on uh, NFL Now weekdays at 1 o'clock Eastern, a two-hour show, really reporter, insider-driven, a lot of educational material being delivered. And you can see me on game day morning on Sundays on NFL Network and on a variety of the digital platforms that we have as well. He is Steve White. He joins us here on the program. Steve, really, really appreciate the time, man. We look forward to maybe – talking some National Football League with you uh, during the course of the season. Let's do it, man. I appreciate you, Donald. Steve White is all over NFL Network, so be sure to check him out. Had a big upset in college football. ODU head football coach Ricky Ronnie joins us next. The 2022 State Fair Classic. Grambling State versus Prairie View A&M. Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl inside the world's largest state fair. Let's go down. Are you ready? One ticket gets you into the fair and the big game. What did you just say? Come early for the fair. Stay later for the game. One ticket. Also. also. At 4 p.m. performing live on the Chevy Main Stage. Grammy Award winning Ashanti Live. Then. The Classic kicks off at a new time, 6 p.m. Watch two new head coaches battle it out for the first time. The battle gets bigger at halftime. The world-famed Tiger Marching Band takes on the Prairie View A&M Marching Store. Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com. Visit StateFairClassicFootball.com. Sponsored in part by City of Dallas. Dallas Sports Commission. McDonald's. Black and Positively Golden. Chevy. Cricket Wireless. And Methodist Hospital. Donald is the radio boss. I'm the, I'm the head on Box to Row on Sirius XM. Let us continue here on the program. We're joined by a gentleman in his third season as the head football coach at ODU or Old Dominion. The Monarchs with a big win, 20-17 over Virginia Tech last Saturday. Up next for the Monarchs are is uh, ECU, as a matter of fact, this Saturday in Greenville, North Carolina. Ricky Ronnie, the head football coach, at ODU joins us here on the program. Coach Ronnie, congratulations and welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. A big win, a huge win, the first ever in ODU ODU's history in terms uh, of a Power 5 uh, program. Again, 20-17 to 17 over Virginia Tech. Your thoughts on your team's performance? Well, I, 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 we actually we beat them one other time before, 2018. So we beat them in 2018 when I wasn't here. Um, but this was a special one because it was uh, a sellout crowd, which was an unbelievable deal. It was our first, you know, our first sellout crowd at our, at our new stadium, our renovated stadium, um, and it, it was a special night. I thought it, uh, our kids played incredibly hard and fought the entire time. And, uh, I mean, we needed all 60 minutes. It wasn't one of those things where, you know, it was necessarily pretty. We needed all 60 minutes of it, but uh, came up and, and, and got a big one at the end. Yeah, apologies. I should have said at your place, being a Power 5 at your place, uh, which is special. Can you speak to how that game came about in terms of um, 
Uh, well, you've played them before, so so we'll we'll scratch that. They, they you've played them before, so but 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 really, I mean, for them coming to your place, like how did that come about? Well, it's funny. We actually played them ten years in a row. Uh, this is the first year of a ten year contract where we play them ten years in a row. Um, there's actually going to be five at our place, five at theirs. So I mean, I I, I commend them for for doing that. Um, it helps the entire state of Virginia um, in, in terms of football teams in the state of Virginia. And, uh, and obviously, um, you know, it's, it's something that a lot of teams aren't willing to do anymore. But I think that this is what college football is all about. You saw it happen with a number of different teams this weekend. And, and for them to be able to do that is, is, is pretty awesome. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. We're here in North Carolina. North Carolina State goes to ECU, who's your next opponent, and then Carolina goes uh, to App State. So I think it's an excellent point. Ricky Ronnie, the head football coach at ODU, joins us here on the program. Talk about that last drive. You guys were down in that football game, 17-13, to and then, of course, it's capped off by Blake Watson's one-yard touchdown run to put you ahead for good. Yeah, we are. Uh, we were able to create some explosive plays on that last drive. I mean, um, you know, Ollie Jennings had some big-time catches for us on that last drive. And um, for a kid to, you know, he transferred back here from from another school. He's from Richmond area. And, and to come back to Virginia and be able to make those plays against a team like Virginia Tech, you know, that was a big moment for him. And, and uh, you know, our, we didn't play very well on offense uh, the rest of the game. But I tell you what, we made the plays we needed to when we needed to make them. And, uh, you know, that's what great teams do. You know, I mean, obviously we, we want to play more consistently throughout, but hey, when the play had to be made, we made them, and, and that was that was huge for our team. Yeah, speaking I mean, because you're talking about the number, you know, you're talking about a, a ranked team, but, you know, speak to your team, and, and specifically offensively, being able to kind of hang around while your defense played well. Yeah, I, you know, the one thing um, – Obviously, on defense, we were able to generate some turnovers, uh, and that was huge. And we scored 17 points off of turnovers. So we were able to take advantage of some of those turnovers and turn them into points, and, and that was a big thing. Uh, you know, in the, in the fourth quarter, you know, we, we won the fourth quarter 10 to nothing, and I thought we played a little bit better there in the fourth quarter on offense. We, we created some explosive plays down the field. Um, we had, you know, really three completions over 25 yards there in that fourth quarter, and that was, that was a big-time part of it. Uh, we made a couple fourth down conversions, one in the last drive in particular that on a fourth and one play, it was a great effort by Blake Watson. Um, and then, you know, when we were able to get down in the goal line and punch it in. And uh, I think that, you know, we, we were able to do a lot of different things that good teams have to do. You know, you're going to have to make uh, some explosive plays. You're going to have to um, convert on third and fourth down. And then, you know, once you get in the red zone, you got to score touchdowns. And, and we were able to do that. Your thoughts on the play of your quarterback, Hayden Wolf? Yeah, you know, Hayden uh, came in last year for us and did some really, really nice things as we went on a little winning streak at the end of the year to get to a bowl game. You know, I don't know. I, I think he would say he didn't play his best football, but, again, he made plays there at the end, and, and they were they were critical plays, and that's, uh, that's what we want out of a quarterback. Uh, I, I know he's going to bounce back this week, and he's going to have a big game. We've got some receivers and, and some tight ends and, and guys who can make plays. Um, our offensive line, I know, is, is ready to come back and, and battle and have a great game. So, you know, for our offense, listen, our number one goal on offense is to win the game, you know, and that's what we were able to do. And, and now they're able to learn some lessons with a win. Um, and I think that that's, you know, that's a powerful thing.
Ricky Ronnie in his third season as the head football coach at ODU joins us here on the program. I mean, if you look at the play of your your linebacker Henderson, I mean, he's eighteen tackles in the ball game. You know, talk not talk about him not only in the ball game, but uh, you know what he means to this football team. You know, he, he's a, a kid who you know started last year on scout team and then ended it up as our third leading tackler. Um, he's a kid that I recruited since he was really a sophomore in high school when I was at Penn State and he was uh, playing in, in Eastern Pennsylvania up there at Delaware Valley. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, proud of what he's been able to accomplish. He's a great tackler. Uh, he run, he can run and hit. Um, he plays with such passion and, and such enthusiasm. And, and really he, he's showing everybody what we've been able to see now uh, since he's got on campus. For you, I mean, I, I realize – you know, last year was last year, but you were able to go to a bowl game um, on last year. This is a program that hasn't been in FBS football uh, very long. It was a program that, uh, before you got there, had gone uh, one and eleven. Speak to last season and maybe a bit of a turnaround. And again, it it leads into a a really good football game and a big win for your program last week. Well, I think it's just something where. Uh... Our entire program and, you know, everybody involved from everybody in the administration to our fans and obviously and most importantly our players uh, just kind of bought into the vision that we were trying to um, create here. And, and I think that when we were struggling in the last year, they didn't they didn't waver. Uh, there was no question the direction we were going. Everybody just kept coming into, you know, into the building and, and ready to work and, and ready to um, meet a new challenge. Um, and I think that that mentality carried through into this off season. We had some adversity this off season, um, but our guys really overcame it, and uh, it was a pretty special deal to be able to um, watch everything come together and, and uh, on that night. But the thing that we all know is, you know, it's not going to matter much uh, if we don't come back and have a great game uh, next, you know, this this week here against East Carolina, who is a tremendous, tremendous football team with with some great players. Um, so. We all know that uh, the beauty of college football is, hey, you have one great win. Well, guess what? You get a chance for another one, and that's and that's what we're ready for. Yeah, let's talk about ECU. The Pirates lost a tough game at home, as I mentioned, uh, to North Carolina State. Your thoughts on ECU and what it's going to take to go into a, a tough place to play in Greenville to come out with a victory? Yeah, I mean, this is a place that's you know only about two hours away from us, so we recruit against them all the time. Uh, we know the type of passion uh, that their fan base has. Um, we've got, you know, people, you know, who, uh, who fly those colors around, around our neighborhoods as well. So this is going to be a, a pretty awesome deal for, for everybody. And, and they've got a great quarterback who is has more experience than maybe any quarterback in the country. And, uh, he, he's, he's, he's unbelievable. Knows how to, knows how to play, knows how to play against zone, knows where to go with the football against man, understands protections, can run, is tough. I mean, I, I he's a kid who, uh, you know, I played quarterback. I, I I really love watching him play. It's 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 pretty special. He's got some big athletic receivers who can make some plays, um, and then their defense does a great job of playing with layers and and playing with passion and, and physicality. So, uh, this is going to be a great challenge for us, and, and and we're excited for it. And then last thought. I mean, you have Taylor Heineke on the sideline. Of course, Washington Commanders. Uh, quarterback started for the Commanders on last year. One of, if not maybe the greatest player to ever play at ODU. W- what did that mean to have him uh, on the sideline in that victory against Virginia Tech? He's such a 
awesome person and so humble. <laughs> he texted me uh, the week before and was like, hey, uh, do you mind if I come to the game and, and, and uh, you know, I can get my own tickets? And I'm like, no, man, like, how about you stand on the sideline? <laughs> Like, you know, I mean, like, that's not how this works. You know what I mean? Like, uh, when the legend comes to town, he, he needs to be treated as such. And so he he's awesome, and he cares so much about it. He literally was like the, he was like the first person, as that clock struck zero, he was like the first person to, to hit me and uh, hit me on the back, and, and that was awesome. And he waited around until the very end to, to, to you know, just say how what a great experience it was for him. And, and just to um, – hear the type of passion he has for old dominion and, and knows what it did for him and his future and his life. And he just wants to pass that on to other, other players. It, it's a pretty awesome deal. I mean, have you ever been a part of a rush on the field by the fans, but what was this one? If so, then that's fine. What was this one like? I have been a part of a couple other ones, but they're all special in their own right. Uh, this one was pretty awesome. You know, this is awesome because, my family was able to be down there and, 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 and my son was one of the first people I got to see, uh, my oldest son, Ryder, who's 13 and all he wanted for his 13th birthday was sideline passes to the game. And so, you know, that was a pretty awesome deal. I was able to hug him at halftime right before we started and, uh, kind of center myself and, you know, just to be able to have him that close and, and my whole family, my wife, Janet, and my youngest son, Jake, and then my mom was there on her birthday. I mean, it was, a, it was a pretty surreal moment for me. That is awesome. Ricky Ronnie in his third season as the head football coach at ODU joins us here on the program. The Monarchs are going to be on the road uh, on Saturday taking on East Carolina. Coach Ronnie, appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Monarchs. Absolutely. Thanks for having us on. Uh, anytime. I'm out. Thank you to Steve White, Ricky Ronnie, for joining us today here on Radio Boss. And always remember to support those that support your radio boss is produced by DW Communications. You have been listening to Box to Row with the Radio Boss, the Howard University Radio Network edition. Oh, let your moon come shining in.